Hello, folks. This is your host, Tammy Tucky, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, Imagineers, animators, they have all made their mark on the Disney name. Be sure to check out the show notes, other episodes, contests, our social media pages from Facebook to Twitter, and more on our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. All guest opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest. Alan Coates to the show. Welcome, Alan. Thank you, Tammy. Uh, delighted to be with you. I know. I know a lot of our listeners are going to automatically say, "Hey, I know Alan because he is the son of a Disney legend." And I thought, who better to introduce this Disney legend than his own son? So, uh, could you tell us who your dad is and and what exactly he got to do at the Disney Company? Well, my dad was uh, Claude Coates, and uh, he had an amazing career of almost 55 years with the company and he is of course a Disney legend and he began in 1935 in the background department and quickly moved into color styling and he worked uh, on all of the classic Disney features from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs uh, through uh, Lady and the Tramp so that he had really two careers he had his animation career. He, he, he liked to say this. Well, I had two Disney careers, my animation career in two dimension and my three dimensional career in Imagineering. So he, uh, the timing was perfect because he had just finished his work on Lady and the Tramp and Walt needed his help to finish Fantasyland and Tomorrowland and Disneyland. This, this was uh, late in uh, um, toward the beginning of the opening of Disneyland. And so Dad was at the perfect place at the perfect time to begin his second career as an Imagineer. Again, yeah, as you said, it's perfect timing for him. So when he worked on those films, did he tell you about the process, what it was like to get feedback from Walt himself? Because, again, prepping for Snow White, a lot of people thought it was going to be a disaster, and it turned out yes. to be so successful. So there must have been a lot of pressure during that time. Well, he worked closely with Walt, and... Um, I was fortunate, being a Disney brat, as we call ourselves, the sons and daughters of Disney employees. I, I grew up at the studio. I played there and, and visited and, and learned and watched my dad work. And so I, I got a taste of, he wasn't an animator. Now, he painted the background scenes and he did the color styling. He, each Disney film looks a little bit different than the other one, and there was only a handful of people who ever had screen credit as color stylists, and Dad was one of those. So he had a lot to do with making the films look the way they did, but he always said the most important thing is the story and the characters, and then I support those things to make the film happen. So... Um, but he, of course, and my mother was involved. She started at Disney even before my father. She began in ink and paint in 1931, before color, and before Dad started there. So 
um, there's a real tradition of Disney in my family. And then I came along with the company in 1961, if you can imagine. <laughs> so um, I have a real legacy of Disney history uh, to look back on in uh, my family. As you said, you know, you got to roam you know, the Disney backlot. And there were a lot of films happening at the time. So is there any particular memory of a television show or a film that you got to walk on set and see what they were doing or got to, you know, look around and look at the props and meet some of the actors? All the time. That I was so fortunate because um, I even knew that the, the the guard at the gate and he just waved us in my brother and I and we we'd go over there because we just lived down the street from from the studio just uh, up the L A River from the from the Disney lot the new studio in Burbank so we'd go over there and we'd just explore and of course we'd go into the stages and the back lot and and have great food in the commissary but I I wanted to be a, a film director and I eventually went to USC film school but. Uh, it was so thrilling to me to go into a soundstage, for instance, and watch them shoot a scene from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, for instance, where Captain Nemo says, Mr. Land, into the longboat with you with your harpoon. And he jumps in, this Kirk Douglas, and he's ready for this, and he throws his harpoon to cut. You know, I got to see him do that scene. It was so thrilling. And this, I saw them do the final scene of the Davy Crockett Alamo show, where Davy Crockett... And old Betsy is up there shooting as the soldiers climb and scale the walls. And it's a fade out because we know Davy doesn't make it. But to get to meet Fess Parker and, and Zorro and the Mouseketeers, I mean, this was really pretty cool you know, to be a kid and, uh, and to be able to experience this. But I took eight millimeter movies of the opening day of Disneyland. So... And I also took pictures when Dad would have uh, the guys come over for swimming uh, lunches. Uh, they'd brown bag a lunch during the summer because uh, we had one of the first swimming pools in Burbank. So these guys, these these famous guys from d the studio would come over and, and swim in the pools. So I, have, I have movies of these kinds of, of, of um, interaction with, with these guys. And the, the interesting perspective that I have is that I was I worked with these people later at 20 some years later I was back at the studio or I was down in Disneyland or in Florida or wherever and I was working with the same people that I knew as a kid so I have a an interesting perspective on on these these wonderful creative people that I grew up with and everyone who worked for Walt was nice because Walt he didn't like no, you know, he didn't like negativity. He was a positive person, and you, you, you better be a positive person, and Dad was a positive person, and you get that feedback and that feeling when you're with the company that uh, I'm going to do the best job I can, and I'm not going to be negative about it. I'm going to try to make it happen as best, best as I can. Dad created, when he was an Imagineer in his second career, he created these immersive environments that would just surround you with with a theme like the pirates is just an incredible you're you're for seven minutes you're just in another world and you're 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 you just take on that experience and it becomes a, a part of the show and uh you're right in there in the same and compared this is the what the, this is the 50th anniversary year 
1967 was the opening of the Pirates, and Dad's other film, other film, other uh, attraction that year was uh, Adventure Through Inner Space, which was totally different than the Pirates. It was very minimalist. It was, it was you, you, you actually there was less there than you thought there was. It was so. Uh, going into an atom, into the nucleus of an atom, was really interesting. Interesting show. It's of course long gone now, and I don't know how many people even remember it. But at least we still have the pirates. You're basically living through this pinnacle time in Disney history, and then you get to apply it as as a art director and a show designer later on in life. So, yes. what projects did you get to work on? Because I know I'm a big fan of all of them. So, go ahead. Why don't you tell us a little bit more? Well, I really began my uh, well, I. I I, I, began, I, I did so many different things for the company. I, me, I began at Disneyland uh, as a toy soldier in Babes in Toyland. And, and I marched in the parade of toys with Annette in the Christmas parade. This was way back in 61. And then I moved, and then I got my dream job. I became a skipper on the Jungle Cruise. That was the best job at Disneyland. I just loved that job. And I, I did that for three years. While I was going to school, I mean, in summers and, and holidays and grad nights and special parties, I, I'd do the, I'd skip her the boats, and then I moved to Wed into the model shop, but I didn't make models; I destroyed them. They made me take models apart and save the clay and throw the models away, <laughs> and I say, oh, I wish I'd taken some with me. But my real imagineering career began with Yale Gracie. I was his um, protege. He was my mentor in illusioneering and special effects, and uh, and I started working with him um, on the early development of Walt Disney World, the Magic Kingdom, and Walt Disney World. And then uh, then I went to Florida with the Wed uh, W E D installation team and spent a year and a half in Florida building this magnificent place. Um, called Walt Disney World, and uh, and I, I did the lighting design and installation on uh, on all of the shows, along with with Yale and Bud Martin and Larry Paget. Just the four of us lit all of that park. I don't know how we did it in nine months. It was an, an amazing feat. That includes a castle lighting the exterior of, the, of Cinderella's castle, which is 180 feet. And that took us five late nights to, to light that. So um, then I, well, I could go on and on. And then I went back to California after the Florida opening. Uh, I had since worked on Dad with Dad on If You Had Wings, which was the first new show to open after Walt Disney World opened. Uh, if You Had Wings was sponsored by Eastern Airlines, and that came along in June of 72. And then I came back to California and I started working on Epcot, very early development of Epcot, it, when it looked very different than it does now. And I worked uh, for Marty Sklar as a writer, concept writer and storyboardist, and coming up with wild ideas, as, as were others in the group that I was with called Show Development, and coming up with, well, how are we going to realize Walt's dream of Epcot? No one knew because Walt was gone. And we just had that last film of him showing this magnificent layout of this city, uh, community of tomorrow that he wanted to build. And we weren't sure what that was going to be. 
but Card Walker, who was the the CEO of um, the company at the time, said, "We're going to do this. We're going to do it." And I think a lot of people said, "I don't. I think we should pass on this. I don't think we can rebuild Walt's vision." He said, "Yes, we're going we're to do it. We're going to do it." And Marty said, "You're right," and we did it. <laughs> When you start forming these attractions, what comes into play when you are thinking about the audience, but then also thinking about the sponsorship and how to marry the two and create an attraction? Um, we did have to decide early in Epcot who was going to pay for these pavilions, these six, the first six shows that we worked on, and we eventually did get the sponsorship. But that wasn't that that took a lot of work to get companies to sign on to this because. They didn't know even any more than we did really what, what what Walt's vision was and how it was going to benefit them, and so. Um, but but they 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 came around and we, and we did sign up the major companies to do the first six pavilions. Um, but it, it, the hardest one to do was American Adventure in the World Showcase because that was we couldn't figure out how to do the show of our, about our own country. The other shows and the other countries, we could pretty much, I worked on the early version of, of Venezuela Pavilion, which never was built, by the way, but um, I could kind of put that together on storyboards and in meetings, and we all said, yeah, you know, and, and we had input from people from Venezuela, and we had a pretty good show going. But the American show, which was the biggest one in World Showcase, it took us two years to finally come up with that show. We just couldn't get a handle on American on the story of America. I, I have to tell you about the incredible reunion we just had at WDI. 500 people were there, Imagineers and their guests, to celebrate the 35th anniversary of Epcot. And it was, it was just amazing. Uh, and, and, and a bit sad, too, because we've lost Marty Sklar. We've lost Exitensio and many others, and there aren't too many left <laughs> that, that go back to the original concepts of, of Epcot. So uh, it was it was an incredible uh, uh, reunion that we had of, of Imagineers just just two weeks ago. It was like the biggest high school reunion you've ever seen, and it, we all knew that a lot of these people on with canes or walkers aren't going to be around much longer, and, and that's touching because. These are wonderful, creative people here again that I grew up with some of these people. And here they are, you know, toward the end of their lives and careers. So, But going back to, to, to how things are developed, I, I want to put a plug in for the Claude Coates book that's finally in development now with a major publisher. And um, it's uh, his, his Magical Art of Imagineering. And the author is someone that you have spoken with, David Bossert. And I'm working with him on the Claude Coates book, which will be a coffee table tome of, of dad's, primarily of dad's art and his concept work and his, his personal fine art. I'll write the foreword, and Tony Baxter is going to write the afterword. So this, this, will be, this is something really exciting that we hope to debut also at um, D2319. Um, and I'll mention quickly, too, the other project uh, that I worked on, the major project, was, was, was Tokyo, the first international uh, theme park, Tokyo Disneyland, which has been such a huge success. They just love Disney over there. And I was involved, again, at the very beginning. In 1975, we started putting together concepts for how are we going to do uh, a theme park in another country 
and and make it make them understand theming and and the Disney way and 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 we'd had we'd had to change names and of course alter it to the culture. And so I call it cultural imagineering because I wrote the first script and it was translated into into Japanese and you read it in columns down from right to left, you know, because wow. I didn't know what it said. And I, I had to find someone who, who could uh, translate it and, and be the narrator. And I was hoping that he, he got everything right. Well, you are more than welcome to come back on the show to promote anything that is up and coming, because I know our listeners always like to hear wh- what has happened. You know, it's two years have gone by. You know, wh- what what's the n- latest book or latest project you're on? So this is yeah. it's so great to have you on the show. And, and before we end, we have uh, three Disney themed questions. I ask all of my guests. I call them the Fab Three. So we'll start with the uh, Donald one, which is as a child, what Disney film was one of your favorites to see in the movie theater? I guess it would have been Alice in Wonderland, but it wasn't my favorite Disney film. That was the first one I saw. But my favorite Disney film is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And our goofy question, what Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? I like the wise old owl from So Dear to My Heart. The wise old owl, the stick to activity. That was that was his. Uh, that's what he he said you have to do, and it's it, it's what you do with what you got. And uh, it, he gave moral lessons, but he was a fascinating character. Not a lot of screen time, but I I just remember he sticks in my mind. And our Mickey question: If I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind? All right, for an animated song, I would say. Um, the second start of the right from uh, Peter Pan, and for the live-action song, I, I would vote for "Feed the Birds." Again, I cannot thank you enough for being on the show. I'm, I'm glad we could finally talk. I know it's been a while, but I'm, I'm so, I'm so honored to have you on the show, Alan. And, and really, best of luck on your projects. I, I know they're going to be great. So please, I hope you come back on the show soon. <laughs> well, I, I would love to. I, I, cer- I would certainly be honored to do that. And, and, uh, and talking you, uh, talking with you is, uh, it's been worth the wait. <laughs> <laughs> 